You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello everyone and welcome to another book review here on the For the Republic podcast feed. I am one of your hosts, Andrew, once again back for another book review. We are here to talk about Brotherhood by Mike Chen. This is a book that I have been just praising left and right on every form of social media that I have ever since I've been reading it and ever since I finished it. I've had nothing but good things to say about it. All last episode, I was trying to make references to Brotherhood with the episodes we were watching. But I am not alone. I have a special guest with me here today from the Night Sisters podcast. It is Maddie Amidala. How are you today? It is so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm doing great. I cannot wait to talk about this book. I'm so excited. Yeah, I know recently you just started, uh, last week actually, you just started uh, the Night Sisters book club over on your podcast feed, so that was really exciting yeah. to see, and I, I messaged <laughs> you a while ago about coming on to talk about Brotherhood, because yeah. I have yet to see a, a single person talk badly about this book. It has been one of the most universally loved Star Wars books uh, since I can remember. And I, I just, we've mm-hmm. been talking a lot on the main show about how, at least for us, the, the publishing side has yet to miss recently. Like, it's oh, yeah. been a amazing year for Star Wars books. I know Padawan just came out. I've been reading that. Uh, not too far into it. But Brotherhood was just one that I was so enamored with and i just loved everything from the writing to the characterization to everything but obviously we're going to talk about all that uh before we get into the book though one thing i like to do with uh new people whenever they come on the show is uh not only is this podcast about our our love for star wars but it's also about our personal connections to the franchise so real quick uh do you have like a, a first memory with star wars or do you have a story about how you got into the franchise I know we're we're similar in age, so we might have had a, a very similar introduction. But like, do you uh, have like a story of of what made you fall in love with this franchise, and 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 when was that? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so um, I was kind of just raised in a Star Wars family. My dad went opening night to A New Hope uh, up in Washington, and my brother, who is fourteen years older than me. Uh, raised me to love star wars as well i my parents joke i've been to um every star wars midnight showing since my mom was pregnant with me they did the re-releases in 1997 which is when i was born and my mom was pregnant at that midnight showing and then i went to opening night of phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith um my earliest memory with star wars is attack of the clones but it's very blurry um, I remember on my seventh birthday getting my first lightsaber. Um, I got a my first Star Wars t-shirt that year and a Darth Vader helmet. Um, so I was probably uh, seven or eight years old. Um, 
And uh, that's when I really went hard on Star Wars. I was obsessed after Revenge of the Sith came out. It was my favorite thing in the world. That was all I wanted for Christmas and birthdays was Star Wars toys. I was the um, same. And I always joke about this. I had a foster sister when I was little. And um, I had this costume wedding dress from like Claire's that I wanted. And my parents didn't know why I wanted it. But I made her officiate a wedding between me and my Darth Vader helmet. <laughs> I'm actually to Darth Vader. <laughs> um wow so yeah i've just loved it yeah i've loved it my entire life um it's never really i don't really have memories of not being a star wars fan so uh yeah yeah it's I was just kind gonna, of ingrained in me i was gonna say were there any like moments where it, it kind of dipped for you or has it always just been like full throttle i'm obsessed since the yeah. Attack of the clones days it it um I wouldn't say it dipped. There were years where there wasn't content. Um yeah. so I still always played with the toys and rewatched the movies, but I feel like my like fandom wasn't there as much. In high school I got made fun of for liking the prequels. Um yep. I, but I had a Star Wars backpack, like all of that. Um I remember okay. Please don't hate me. I love it now more than anything. I remember when I went to see the Clone Wars in theaters opening night and I left the theater crying because it was the first time I didn't like Star Wars. Um, and I was so upset. But then as soon as it became a show, I liked it again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I liked it definitely. after that. Uh <laughs> when we, um, but yeah. So when we did, because the first episode we did for this was the Clone Wars movie. And I had oh, yeah. not liked it for years. But that mm-hmm, rewatch mm-hmm. for the uh, podcast was like kind of an eye opener for me. I was like, I like this a lot more than I remember. Like just getting to sit down and, and watch yeah. it and not go in with the mindset of this is this isn't going to be fun. Like actually getting to sit down mm. and, and absorb it. I, I had a very similar thing to where I was like, oh, wait, no, this is actually it's still not my favorite piece like i wouldn't put it in like my top five or anything but i do appreciate mm-hmm. it a whole lot more than i did in the past which i i think is, yeah. is i've had that with a lot because i like you grew up when the prequels were first coming out i don't remember what my first experience in the theater was it, it's either revenge of the sith or the clone wars movie because i remember seeing the clone mm-hmm. wars movie in the theater i don't remember if my first time watching Revenge of the Sith was in a theater or at home. I just can't for the life of me oh, yeah. remember. Uh, because I was definitely <laughs> like going to the movies at that point. I think I was seven when Revenge of the Sith came out. But I just don't mm. remember where it was. But Clone Wars I definitely was. And I remember the whole thing surrounding that. But I loved the prequels growing up. And I, I still do. And I remember when I first like regularly had internet in my house. And I was oh. just random, like, I'm going to watch Mace Windu versus Palpatine. And all of the comments <laughs> were, what the, this movie's terrible. And it was the first time <sighs> I, like, discovered that people didn't like those movies. And that was just such a shell shock for me because, yeah, being on the internet in the, the late 2000s uh, into, like, the <laughs> mid to late 2010s, it was not a good yeah. place for, for prequel oh. fans. It is 
much better now where everyone it's like you go on on tiktok and it's like the popular opinion is revenge of the sith is the best star wars movie that was not yeah. the case 10 years ago like i have no, it wasn't. been around the it block was not. so that's why oh. when people are like oh the sequels are always going to get crap it's like are you sure because i've seen this happen before <laughs> with the prequels too. uh yeah, yeah so that was i love hearing like i said every time i have someone new on i want to hear their story because it's the, the great thing about a franchise that's been around for 45 years and has multi-generations of, of fandom is there are so many different entry points and everyone's story mm. of how they became a fan is different. We may have like, oh, this was the first movie we saw or this was the first show we saw, but their experiences and what drew them into becoming a fan are always different, which is why I love having uh. these conversations and why I'm actually going to be doing a uh, interview series coming up really delving into that aspect of people's fandoms and getting to talk to people. And, and your podcast was actually one of the ones I took inspiration for when coming up oh, with the show. Thank you. Because I, I was just really interesting or listening to a lot of like interview shows. And I always wanted to do something like that. And I was like, mm. okay, let me create something here and just have people on in the fandom and really talk to them about what they love about star Wars and, get to know them more as a, as creators and and what really drives them to love what they do about the fandom. So that'll be coming soon, but so I like excited. to have a, a mini version of that whenever we have a new guest on. So, <laughs> so cool. when we get into Brotherhood, I guess one thing I can say is I was not, I don't know about you, but mm. when I was growing up, I wasn't really a Legends kid. I read a couple of the books. I There was a couple in my life. There was like a Star Wars section in my library. So I read a couple of the like the the YA or the junior novel ones when uh, the prequels were coming out. And I think I might have read. I either read the Thrawn trilogy or I had one of those like big ass character encyclopedias that had all the Legends um. characters in them. So that's how I knew how all those people were back in the day. But I wasn't super into the Legends, so my first, like, really going heavy into the books was the new canon with Lost Stars and Lords of the Sith in 2015. And ever since then, I, I while I am, I have such a huge backlog of Star Wars books I need to read, uh, I, that's really when I got super duper into the publishing side. And now I get every new book because I just want to be caught up and I want to enjoy all these stories even though i take forever to read these books which is why we're doing this brotherhood episode in early august mm. and not may when the <laughs> book came out because it takes me forever to read were were you a big legends person or were was it kind of a similar thing no i was not a big legends person i read a couple um but honestly don't remember them very well i did love reading the novelizations though as a kid. Um, I had prequels, novelizations, and the OT. Um, so I did love those a lot. Um, and then when the new canon started, I was reading the novelizations for the new movies as well. But I did not get into Star Wars books until, uh, like, really get into it until COVID hit. And I read Lost Stars for the first time, and that changed everything i basically it's have done my favorite book of all consume. time 
Yeah, it is my favorite book of all time as well. I So I'm doing the Night Sisters Book Club, um, which is only covering books written by women. And obviously, that's written by Claudia Gray. I am so terrified to cover that book. I can't do it yet because it's my favorite book ever, like mm-hmm. of any canon, like Star Wars or not. Um love it so much. So that got me into all the books I've read many since covid hit um but uh yeah i i the only one from new canon i'd read before that was when phasma came out i read phasma um see I, oh I and have, last, last shot i have both i got phasma right i think on release day but i haven't read hmm. either so yeah but I, I, I love I, phasma. people love phasma and hmm. I, I i needed last shot because I'm, I'm a big han and lando guy so yeah. I needed that one. But like I said, we are in such a great point for Star Wars storytelling on the publishing side. Mm-hmm. Because at least to me, it is starting to feel like the thing with Legends, whether or not you were a Legends person or not, is the books felt like they had meaning to them. And it felt like things yes. were kind of leading together. While I have enjoyed the new canon, there hasn't really been a, a novel that I've disliked that I've read. It does feel like, at least when the the first wave of new movies were coming out, that they were a supplementary material. They were there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really going to influence anything that we see on screen. Now, we're seeing stuff like The High Republic, where it's one big yes, publishing yes. collaboration. We're seeing books have higher stakes, like Brotherhood, telling big stories. And we're seeing elements of the novels being carried over into live action, like Chris Anton in Book of Boba Fett, just to name one thing. And Cobb Vamp being in uh, Mandalorian, yeah. which was the one I was going to bring up, and then Chris Anton came out of my mouth for some reason. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but to get started on Brotherhood, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin has always been, I mean, right now I can see, I have the Revenge of the Sith Funkos right in front of me. I have the Mustafar Lego set. <laughs> to my right that hasn't been built yet like there are my two favorites obi-wan is my favorite character of all time so obviously the kenobi series i was in my glory the whole time so Mm. i've always loved that and then i am a hardcore clone wars fanatic i have a podcast talking about star wars animation so obviously (laughs) that is the case so this book was a dream for me judging uh just mike chen taking that business on kate and amodio line Kind of using that I as a pitch it. to write this book and then making this, yeah. which I now think is an essential Clone Wars era and prequel era story for any fan. Because it, it does a great so, job yeah. at transitioning from Attack of the Clones into the Clone Wars and seeing how we go from Anakin and Obi-Wan's kind of standoffish Master and Apprentice relationship in Episode 2 to what we see in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think the book does a hmm. tremendous job at getting you from that point. Because the book picks up right after Anakin's been knighted. I think they said it was literally just a couple days after he had gotten knighted. And I thought, like, when this book was announced, I thought that was going to be something we'd see. I don't know if you watched the um, the 2003 Clone Wars series, but we saw yes. his, his trial in there. I thought we were going to get some type of adaptation of that, but we, we, we didn't, which I'm fine with. We did, however, get a couple references to that series in this book, which I will have to remember to talk about later because 
I remember popping up and being like, ooh, ooh, ooh. That is from that. So that got me really excited. But I, I just... I, I have to... I have to interrupt. I'm so sorry. The, the thing you said about the the business from Cato Nemodia, Cato Nemodia line, sorry, from Friends of the Sith. I was seeing all the Star Wars movies in theaters that last month. Yes, I saw all your, your posts saw, about it. Yeah, yeah. One weekend I saw Attack of the Clones, right? I, I start Brotherhood the next day. Mm-hmm. The next weekend I go to Revenge of the Sith I forgot that line existed. Ooh. I totally forgot. When he said it, I was like, oh my God, it's Brotherhood. My boyfriend has not read this book. And he's like, no, I think he's referencing the Clone Wars, like you were just saying. And I was like, no, no, no. This is the plot of Brotherhood. That's the whole plot of Brotherhood. Yeah. I was so excited. I was like jumping out of my seat because I totally forgot that line. Obi Wan says it. And so you're I, just like, oh, sweet, sick Brotherhood reference, even though the movie yeah. was made almost 20 years exactly. ago. I, I do exactly. believe, I think there's a Legends book called Labyrinth of Evil that tells a very similar story about the Legends mm. version of the business on Kaden Amoidia. So, of course, there's been huh. that contention of, oh, well, which one's the better story? But they tell very different stories, and I haven't personally read that book, even though I, I do hear very good things about it. But this is what I'm going to be thinking of now, because the book also sure, does a really sure. great job of establishing perspectives and sides in the war and showing that hey you know this republic that we're all idolizing and we're all just pledging our allegiance to in some cases blindly may not be the perfect republic that we picture it to be and Mm -hmm. so to even Mm -hmm. see characters like anakin who we see have such like a blindly dogmatic devotion to the republic and to his version of peace in the galaxy to even see him have some questions and and realizing for the first time hey maybe this republic that i love so much maybe they do some really messed up stuff and Mm -hmm. they're starting to realize it and it it does play the the book does a great job at at showing okay so they even know right off the bat that there is some sense that someone is playing both sides of the war and us in our mind know that that's palpatine but they, what I loved about this book is that they never outright have a scene where it's from Palpatine's perspective. And he's like, yeah, so that was great that I had them set up the bombing. Like, I like that they, yeah. Mike Chen didn't need to do that. But jumping off of that, I do really love how he frames each chapter of these books as from the perspective of a different character. I thought that really mm-hmm. helped with the book's narrative. Is like, okay, so this chapter is from Anakin's perspective, and then it will jump to Obi Wan, and then we'll jump to uh, one of the newer characters, like Mill, who is a, a young one oh, that Anakin yeah. travels with, who is I, I adored her, and then we got some of the Hemoidians mm-hmm. and and Ventress. So I, I really love that uh, the way that Mike Chen chose to write this book. I believe this is his first star wars novel he's ever written and after reading this book i very much want him to write more uh not just in the clone (laughs) wars era but i i want him to just dip his toes further into the star wars sandbox because the the man has such a a a great way of, of writing these characters i was shocked by not just like anakin and obi-wan but i was shocked at how much I loved how he wrote 
Anakin and Padme together. I'm not sure oh how you felt, gosh. but they're like scenes oh. <sighs> in like when they're on their little date in the lower sections of Coruscant with the balloon and, and, and the ice cream and all that stuff. I, I was just, just mouth agape of how well Mike Chen wrote that those two's relationship. And it was so refreshing to me. I, I'm just, have you read Queen's Hope? Just, just a question. I have not finished uh, okay. it, though. So, one thing I will say is that Queen's Hope does a really great job. The They are, Queen's Hope and Brotherhood, like, are such great companion reads. Because so many elements mm-hmm. of Queen's Hope lead into this book. And vice versa. The one thing I didn't like, though, was how E.K. wrote Anakin. Because uh, she just, doesn't like Anakin. She does not like Anakin. <laughs> and, and I think that's... that's I, I do respect a lot of what E.K. has done for the Star Wars like community and, and how she's... Uh, what she's done with her books. And I love that she's given Padme more stories because Padme is one of my favorite characters of mm. all time. But she mm. writes Anakin as like this raging psychopath... And yeah. she made their their relationship like very uncomfortable, like almost as if yes she he, he would like forced Padme into the marriage, which when I was reading Queen's Hope, I was like it just took me out of the novel because I'm like this is just not Anakin as a character, and I very like all. I'm not the <laughs> that's not this character like I'm not that guy, <laughs> but that was the one time where I was like that I don't know that's not. That's not the character I know. So then reading Brotherhood, I thought Mike Chen nailed it with Anakin and Padme. I did too. I do not have too many notes from the book for this episode. My second note is uh, Anakin and Padme's dates, pod racing on Coruscant, finding food from back home on Tatooine. That was like one of my favorite things in the entire book. I loved it so much. And this is nothing against EK at all. So like no slander here. Um, the reason I haven't finished the Queen's Trilogy is it is really hard for me to uh, get through it knowing that the main love interest isn't liked by the author. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish it because I'm going to read them for Night Sisters Book Club and I'm very excited. But um, Padme loved Anakin more than anything in the world. Having a perspective where... Padme was like manipulated into this relationship as if she's not a very smart, independent, uh, older woman. I I don't agree with that. Yeah, but it, that's it nothing really against EK me. at all. It's just a difference in perspective. But that is the reason I haven't finished it. So it's funny that you asked. And then yeah. basically my own question. <laughs> like, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I was really weird with that one because I read half of Queen's Shadow, really enjoyed it, but never huh. got around to finishing it. But then I read Queen's Hope by itself because they really marketed it and made it seem like it was going to be just its own, like, standalone type of adventure yeah. of, like, their honeymoon, essentially. And then it wasn't <laughs> that. Like, it was for, like, the first 40 pages. And then it turned into its own thing where I'm like, man, I really should have read the other two because I have no idea what's going on with, like, the other handmaid. Even though I- I'm aware of their stories. But I was just, like, so lost at points. So I really feel like if I had read at least Queen's Peril, I would have enjoyed it. I thought I liked the book, but there there was that, that point where I was like, mm, 
I don't know. I, I just, it, this isn't, that was the one thing where I was like, okay, the character to me is, is just lost in translation. But I thought, like I said, he nailed this moment in Anakin's life of we're seeing him still have those moments of being a bit too brash and, and having those moments of just really like wanting to one-up Obi-Wan, but we're also seeing his greater maturity come through. And um, that is really yeah. put on display through his relationship with Mill and how we see him mm -hmm. this basically be like the prototype for Ahsoka. For Ahsoka. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I do love about this book is like he has a lot of on the nose little like tongue in cheek references to, to certain stuff like, oh yeah, I I would never be able to have a Padawan. It's like, all right, just do wait. Exactly. Just do wait, buddy. Yeah. Or like every time Sand is brought up, he's like, I see, it does get everywhere. And sometimes like that has the, the danger of being like, uh, he, he said the line, but like yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. To me, all the, the fan servicey elements of this book, I thought worked like almost all the time. I didn't have any like. I agree. Like, the, the he he said it like having like Dexter Jetster show up. I thought was oh my god tremendous. That's one of my other notes. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my. Like, other I am notes. so glad seeing, that Dex is back. Oh my god, seeing him in Obi Wan made my life. He's one of my favorite club shadows, and oh my god, that made me so happy to find out like how much he was an information information broker that was yeah. insane like oh my god it was so good and even going back to the mill thing um is this a spoiler are spoilers allowed yeah yeah the book's been out yeah. we're, we're going all in. i i was so ter i okay my gut instinct was wow i wish uh she was his like pad one obviously i love love ahsoka but it was so attached to Mill so quickly. And then I was like, oh, wait. Oh, my God. She's going to die. I have to watch this child die. So I was terrified through the whole book. Yeah, I was worried. I was glad that didn't happen. Don't worry. I really she, thought this girl was going to die. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't die here, but there's a good chance she dies in like three years in the timeline. So. Well, no, because she didn't she leave the order. So she wouldn't be in Order 66. So she if I remember correctly, she is still in it. She's just not a Jedi. She's like Damn it. <laughs> helping out like on the she's like helping out on like the the medical like area. Oh, you're so, so right. I was like, oh yay, she's safe from Order 66 when I finished the book, but no, you're correct. Yeah, that sucks. so she's just not like a Jedi general. Let's hope not. My headcanon is that uh, Ahsoka was in that like little group that Anakin is entertaining, like the young one group at first. And he just doesn't huh. know it. Like, if they <laughs> slid in, like, oh, yeah, the little, like, Tagruta youngling in there so that seemed cute. really sassy and disinterested, I'd be like, Mike, I know what you're doing. Because he does that with uh, Cal Kestis, which, yes. oh, that made me scared. They released yes. that, like, little excerpt a couple months before the book came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, mm. Master uh, Jarrett Paul and his uh, red-haired youngling next to him. I'm like, who is <laughs> Is that who I think it is? Uh, I just remember yeah. getting so excited. Uh, but I guess staying with Anakin and Padme, uh, the mm. one thing I also really loved about this book is the the way 
that Obi-Wan is well aware that there is something between yes. the two and how we we really see his like journey of trying to figure out how to handle it. He's like Yes, and like he understands his own hypocrisy and I love that. Yep. And I think that like having Dex bring up Satine like really pushed that whole like I have a past, other people know about my past and Padme brings out the good in Anakin like wanting to confront it but also not wanting to because he knows that he did like he was in the wrong like I, so good I love that conflict and that like awareness he's so aware himself that he knows he's being a hypocrite and I love that I thought that was so good and so in character for him oh yeah I, I was gonna bring up the Satine stuff because every time Satine is mentioned I am a that might be my favorite relationship in all of Star Wars is Satine and Obi-Wan. Yeah. So every time it's brought up, I just got so, like, giddy and excited. Uh, <laughs> there's a really great moment near the end of the novel where I, this is, like, right after they get off Kato Nemoidia. And Obi-Wan is, is huh. kind of keeping to himself. He wants to talk to Anakin about something. He turns on the Hollow News, and it's Satine giving a speech. And we see him, like, yes. stop dead in his tracks and just completely get, like, taken aback and sucked in by her speech. And there's a great moment where he's like, even though I disagreed with uh, a lot of what she was standing for, it was the way she said it that was captivating and made me question everything. Because she has so much, like, such strong conviction that even if he thinks Mandalore should get involved, understand why. And I love that. So I'm a quirky Kenobi truther, so I believe yeah. that Kenobi's his dad. Um, and this happening at the same time as Kenobi, the show, like me reading this at the same time, and all the parallels between like Kenobi and Rey on Jakku, all I could think of is like, I love Rey Nobody first. That's my favorite, but oh my god, I wish Ray was Corky's daughter so badly, <laughs> and I wish that she was Kenobi's granddaughter so badly because I love, like, love the parallels between Jakku Ray and uh, Tatooine Kenobi. And then hearing Satine, I was like, oh my god, just let it be true. I'm begging because I love them as a couple so much. But um, obviously, that's just my head canon, and it's not yeah. true at all. But I, Book was putting me in my feels for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely also a quirky Kenobi uh, type of gal. So that <laughs> like every time Satine is brought up, I I just I got so excited, and I'm glad that they went and, and just really showed Obi Wan's love for Satine and didn't ignore it. Hmm. It made it uh, integral hmm. to his character in this book. Uh, and, and just Chen pulled from so many different areas of Star Wars, from the films, obviously, but also from the Clone Wars, from some Legends books, from the old Clone Wars show, which I talked about because they do reference the, uh, the the Mace Windu episode where he's going up against all the different super battle droids yeah. uh, on Dantooine, which when I saw that being referenced, I was like, oh, I there we go. And so that got me really excited. <laughs> And a couple of um, Legends characters are, are mentioned 
I believe, during Obi-Wan, Anakin's knighting ceremony. Because uh, I believe one of the the masters mentioned is someone that Obi-Wan used to uh, be attached to romantically in the Legends canon. So Chen kind of brought her back in. And then she's also in Padawan. So I was like, ooh, okay. They're really just oh my bringing everyone back. Yeah, so I... I you see, I didn't think I knew the character, but then I saw one of the books she was in and the cover, I was like, wait, no, I definitely read this book when I was a kid, but I just had no recollection of the character. But then seeing it, I was like, okay, I know that name. So I got giddy. So there's that. Uh. I, I love how everyone is uh, really just bringing in all of this great stuff for Kenobi this year, which I, I love. love. Like literally May into now, has been we've had Brotherhood, we've had the show, we've had the Obi Wan comic, and then we've had Padawan. So it's like me personally, I'm <laughs> loving it. This is this is what I was born for. But it's a good year yeah, it for us really, for sure. <laughs> it's a really good year for us. Uh, but a- another thing that I guess we can talk about is the actual business on Cato Nemoidia itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most mm-hmm. important thing I have to ask you. Do you think the business does did this count, or or should Obi Wan be given a pass here? I think this okay. So part of me is like it doesn't count because Obi Wan didn't ask for help, but then also and like he did have a plan. Anakin didn't know he had a plan, so like don't know i think that moment is so funny where obi-wan's calling his saber and it like whacks anakin in the head because he jumps in the way (laughs) um because it's just like there's anakin fumbling kenobi's plans once again like of course this chaotic hothead is just bringing a kid into a war zone and ruining everything i think it does count because i don't think kenobi could have done it without him um especially because like anakin and mill found all the bombs um I don't, ah, that's such a good question because, like, Anakin totally did save his skin, but I also, like, if we just let it happen, if Anakin had let it happen, Kenobi would have found a way, you know? Yeah, definitely. No, I, no. It's I, a tough, that's right. It's a tough. One. I think I'm on the it did count because, like you said, like, had it, I, I get the feeling that if Anakin didn't show up, uh, even though Obi Wan was like, I have a plan, I don't know if it would have ended great. So. Uh, by himself I'm gonna, like... I'm gonna keep it with the it, it, it does count but I've my <laughs> one of my co-hosts was like oh no I think it doesn't count and I'm like I'm an Obi-Wan guy but even I was like sorry buddy I, I think I think you gotta take the L here uh, but so funny. but onto the actual stuff like getting to see Cato Nemoidia as a and the Nemoidians like getting to see their culture besides the yeah. trade federation trade and besides federation. yeah new gunray and one of my least favorite characters in star wars lot dodd like every time he got brought up I'm like, like go away uh <laughs> but getting to see like them as people i really enjoyed it and and again queen's hope spoilers here but that book also does a, a pretty good job at breaking down the nemoians and, and making them so they are more humanized and uh, like devilified 
and just really making yeah. it so Newt Gunray is like the one big extremist that is uh, an entire culture is being labeled as being just like him because of the actions of of one person. And we we really can exactly, see yeah. a good job at breaking down prejudices, especially in Anakin's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because Anakin, mm-hmm. like they mentioned, is he's only ever had negative encounters with Nemoidians. Uh One of his earliest oh. memories of being in the Order or being attached to the Jedi Order is the invasion of Naboo. And who did they uh, imprison and invade? Padme. So obviously, yeah. Anakin's rage is is connected to people that harm Padme. There's a great line in this book. I don't remember the entire uh, quote, but I'm gonna paraphrase it. It's like, when you gain mm. Anakin's trust, you gain an ally for life. But if you ever wrong him, yes. then he will come at you with like total and complete rage. Uh, that was such a jaw dropping line. That was. Oh, sorry. I'm. I forgot about it, and I'm so glad you brought it up because it is so good. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I love it too because like I feel like they had been viewed their culture was a monolith in the perspective of like the Jedi. Um it really it gave them like you said it humanized them and uh, caused them to see that their planet had more than just what they could offer to the republic. Um and I totally understood the anger in the characters in the Cato Nemoidians. I cannot say it because they were tired of being just shit on by everybody and used and viewed as just horrible and not for their art and for their accomplishments and architecture. And I thought that was that was so good. And I think that like having Anakin conflict some of his prejudice um is important because a reoccurring theme in the novel is should i tell obi-wan what i did on tatooine um when he killed the tuscan raiders and obviously like slaughtering the tuscan raiders after you see the book of boba fett and you become so like in love with these characters and you realize like he viewed them as all the same and he gave them all the same punishment and i think that like seeing him like face this prejudice he had against the Kidanimoidians is very interesting when you think of the struggle he's got like that he's dealing with right now as after he slaughtered the Tusken Raiders like animals when they're a bit they love each other and they have a tribe that cares for each other and it's just very interesting after seeing Book of Boba Fett and everything yeah no I, I definitely agree with that and they like you said with with the Book of Boba Fett they've done such a great job at humanizing the Tuskens with uh, Mando and Book of Boba Fett. So to see that within the Moidians, I did really love. And getting to see, mm. I, I don't how her, her name is pronounced will be the death of me, but Rug, the main Nemoidian yeah, gu- female guard, which mm. I really I enjoyed her character and getting to see her have like such a, like, like Anakin and Obi-Wan, have such a strong will and devotion to her culture and her government. But to realize that, hey, you know, it's not perfect. I've had to do some really terrible things for my people. And to have her turn the corner and help Obi-Wan because she realizes that he's fighting for the good thing. And she wants to help this war come to an end and for him to uncover the truth. I really enjoyed it. And we get to see from Katar's perspective of 
how anger and, and, and hatred and, and rage and grief can manipulate someone into doing terrible things. Because he Because they're a mirror to Obi-Wan and Anakin. Exactly. Like, they are yeah, exactly. Like it was manipulated by the dark side in the same exact it was foreshadowing Obi-Wan was about to experience with his own apprentice. Didn't That's, even pick yeah. up on that until you brought it up just now. Uh, I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest, but you are right on the money. That it is, it is 100% that. And getting to see the early encounters of Anakin and Obi-Wan with Ventress, I really love. Because I knew oh, she was mm-hmm. in this book. Like, I knew they, they yeah. mentioned it. But when she first shows up, and it's like, oh, Dooku's agent. And then I was like, oh, who's this character? <laughs> And then she name drop like they name drop her at the end of the chapter. It's like, what's your name again? It's like Ventress. I'm like, oh, okay. And I got really <laughs> excited uh, because I am a really big fan of Ventress. So getting to see her in this book, I I was really huge on. And I love how she we really see her just twist the knife repeatedly with Katara. Oh my god! And we yeah. get the early stages of. Her and Obi-Wan's constant mind games and back and forth that they have with each other throughout the Clone Wars, which I really don't. They definitely. Yep. I'm not going to say that. Yep. Never mind. <laughs> you don't even you don't even need to say it. It's uh, we all know. We all know. Oh, God. Ellie has a thing for Jedi's. That's she does. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Dark Disciple. Anyone who's listening. <laughs> now is my time that I've been saying every episode for the past two months of Quinlan Voss, please show up in the Bad Batch season two. Wait. I beg of you. Wait. Just please. <laughs> Whenever we get that now, because it's apparently coming out now the week after Andor premieres, so that's oh, not happening. Crap. So something's getting delayed uh, more than it already <laughs> has, but I don't want to think about that. Um, but yeah, again, getting to see you know, what grief does to a culture, I, I really enjoy, but also getting to see the Jedi question their, their own prejudices and get to see mm. the way that Anakin and Obi-Wan both react to this and their own mm. perspectives. Again, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but also, like I said, the little connections to other books. Like with Queen's Hope, getting to see a lot of the clones from Queen's Hope show up again. Uh, our trans icon sister showed up again yes, in this sister. book, which I <laughs> screamed. Because when, when I was doing my um, Queen's Hope book discussion, uh, the guest I had oh. on, David, he was like, okay, if you if you loved sister, you're going to love brotherhood. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And then she shows up <laughs> again in this one. I'm like, oh, okay. I love that because when E.K. Johnston created sister she there's a great quote saying that like she created her so other authors can use mm-hmm. her in their in their stories didn't take long for that to mm-hmm. be the case they, they kept hitting like oh yeah uh. we really worked a lot together when writing both of these books and i'm like you can definitely tell reading them back to back like i did like they are mm-hmm. it, it, like queen's hope is like honestly like a brotherhood prequel in many different aspects but yeah. Another just random thing I want to point out about how I loved how Mike Chen wrote these characters and 
the one thing I loved is whenever Anakin and Padme have a conversation around Obi-Wan, I'm pretty sure it's always written in Obi-Wan's perspective. And he always yeah. points out like the mini like details of like, oh, Anakin will briefly uh, slip away from like the, the monotone that he uses when talking to all the Jedi. And he'll briefly show something mm. or like raise an eyebrow or react slightly different. And Obi-Wan will pick it up in the force and how uh, Padme will get briefly excited real quick and then turn into like her Senator Amidala persona. And I just loved how he wrote that and how Obi-Wan's just clearly picking up where maybe he doesn't realize that they're married or that they're like an item, but he definitely knows that there is some type of, well, he definitely knows in Anakin's case that there is some type of infatuation there, but he realizes that there's something there and there's a great moment where it's like, should I tell the council? Should I talk to Anakin about this? And then he, he, he doesn't. And we see that again later with his, mother where he's debating on asking him you know what happened on Tatooine but he doesn't he says I'll save that conversation for another day which makes me think does he ever have that conversation with Anakin I don't think they do and that's so sad because we have the the great which I was getting real choked up when Anakin was telling the the sun dragon story to Obi-Wan and to Milt which is another great Anakin moment in this book uh, and that he has the, oh, you know, I haven't, we'll have to, uh, talk about it over lunch at Dex's, which is now my headcanon that every time they come back from Coruscant after a battle, they just head <laughs> straight over to Dex and get a cup of Jawa juice and, and talk about stuff. It's like my headcanon of, with the end of Kenobi, where they're like, oh, that's the last time Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan and Leia ever see each other before a new hope. I'm like, nope, he goes over there every holiday uh, back to Alderaan. <laughs> I, I refuse I love it. to believe that that was the last time. Just do not <laughs> ruin this for me. But yeah, I don't... Um, I don't... Have you... Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, have you read Master and Apprentice? I haven't. Everyone says... Okay. that's my One of my co-hosts says his favorite Star Wars book ever, and I, I haven't gotten to it. Yeah. It will not to. spoil anything. It is crazy... For those of you who have read it, it's crazy to see um, Obi-Wan go from the biggest, I mean, I guess he's a rule follower for his whole life, but the biggest rule follower ever. Like, so, and I love him in Master Apprentice, but oh my God, like, relax, bud. He's such a stickler for the rules in that book. Seeing him go from that to, like, Knowing Anakin's definitely in love with Padme. Knowing Anakin is hacking the TVs so that he can watch races and like and just not saying anything and just oh, being so that. chill. And like seeing their relationship, you you touched on this, but seeing their relationship go from master and apprentice to uh like like Anakin still calls him master, but they're on equal ground now. Yep. And the instant like relaxation that they both have where there was so much animosity before which makes me really sad because i think of them as brothers right but like they didn't become brothers until this point it was father and son and then once they were equals then they were truly brothers and it's like oh my god it's so sweet (laughs) that yeah i there's the end quote that i i need to talk about later but i just love the fact that anakin's literally just the i gotta turn the game on like I need to watch something <laughs> yeah. else. And Obi-Wan just catches him and doesn't say anything. 
But what I do love is I, I believe Padawan is before Master and Apprentice in the timeline by a little bit because Obi-Wan is 16 in oh. Padawan. So in, in Padawan, Obi-Wan is like this anxietal mess. So something must have <laughs> happened between then and Master and Apprentice to where he just turns into Mr. You got to follow the rules at all costs. But yeah, again, honestly, he's still an anxiety filled mess. He's yeah. just like a rule following anxiety filled mess. So that makes sense. He just like sticks to it and tries to because I think he realizes over the course of this book that whatever it is about Anakin and, and even though he doesn't agree with a lot of the ways he, he bends the rules and but he realizes one, how Anakin has changed for the better. And two, he realizes like kind of how happy Anakin is at points. And yeah. he, he kind of has that like, who am I to put an end to this type of mindset? Which Because he yeah. does truly yeah. care about Anakin deeply, which I, I do love. And, and I think the book, even though it, it does show their animosity at points, I don't think it ever has them in a way where the two like despise each other or anything like that. Like their yeah, yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. is fully on display. Like, cause a lot of Anakin's moments touch on his trust in Padme in the chancellor and in Obi-Wan. And even though like there's talk of moments where the two were at each other's throats, it's always Anakin goes back to Obi-Wan and, and I, re and mm. there's always the, like little moments of with Obi-Wan, like, ah, oh, man, you know, if Anakin were here, would this be any different? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love those moments too. Like I said, I loved their relationship in this book. And then I gotta, I have to get the ending quote from Rook's perspective when they encounter yeah, each yeah, other yeah. on the battlefield. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, brothers in arms of the Jedi order together. They were unstoppable. One of my new favorite quotes mm -hmm. Uh, in all of Star it. Wars because I, I, I just adore it and I love how this journey changed them uh, for the best and, and we get to see it on display there. That being said though, there is one thing that I will never forgive Anakin for for the end of the, that happened at the end of this book is that he is the canon reason that Mullet Kenobi was no longer with us in the Clone <laughs> Wars because that bastard was making fun of his hair. And he had to cut it. Oh my god. That, that is so funny. Oh, because literally like when they, because there's that scene where they're trying on the clone armor, which I loved. And then Mill yep. notices yep. that Obi-Wan's hair is, is cut to his shoulders. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, they didn't. Because the whole book, they're talking about how it's his mullet was longer than it was in Attack of the Clones. And as a, as, yeah. a, as a mullet Kenobi guy, I was like living for it. And then they even mentioned that, like, Anakin's hair is, like, really, like, shaggy at this point, too. And I'm like, what does that look? Because like, mm -hmm. I'm trying to picture, like, while I'm reading, like, in my mind, like, what everything is. And, like, I keep, like, by default think of Padawan hair. But I'm like, he doesn't have the braid. So when they just say, like, oh, his uh, hair is kind of a mess right now. I'm like, who are you to talk right now, Anakin, <laughs> about hair? And then Cody so shows funny. up. And he's like, yeah, I have a feeling we'll be fighting many battles together. I'm like, tears. Tears. <laughs> Oh, so good. <sighs> but no, I, I did. I, I loved the the way that it handled the Jedi's perception and, and their thoughts on this war 
and how it's just kind of just mm-hmm. so sudden and how they got to go from peacekeepers to generals uh still like processing like kind of how weird it is having all of these clones that just randomly appear and just referring to them as general and, and just having to adjust to that life and then by the the end yeah. of the book obviously we go further into the clone wars as we know in, in the series so again it's it's the the little things like that that mike chen threw in about the greater themes of the book that i really enjoyed Hmm. um because we've been all glowing praise so far uh was there (laughs) was there anything that didn't work for you or or was there anything that you would have maybe preferred if they went in a different route i know you mentioned you were hoping that uh mill (laughs) would have uh (laughs) been his padawan yeah but like do you think like no like what do you what do you what do you think there's nothing that they could have changed i would have liked to see you know like mill obviously um knew she wasn't going to be his padawan i just loved their their whole connection we haven't even touched on it but like I'm really opening up to her about how he is emotionally and how outcast oh. he feels and how other he is to the Jedi Order. Connecting that to her trying to shut herself off from the Force. Loved it. And feeling so separate and different. She looked up to him so much and he... That was the first moment where I was like... Because Anakin and Ahsoka are like brother and sister, right? Mm-hmm. Anakin and Mill, that was our one glimpse into Anakin if he had been a father. Yeah. And, and it was so like, seeing, wholesome. Yeah, it was so wholesome. And it was like, wow, this is how Anakin would have been with Leia, with Luke. Uh, and it no. just kind of broke my heart. <laughs> no, because like him and Ahsoka yeah. have such like a spunky friendship. But like he was a fatherly figure to Mill. He was caring and like detective and it felt so much more like a parent than he ever was with ahsoka i yeah um, definitely and we even have like the his very similar thing with ahsoka his reluctance to have to teach these younglings yeah. and to have to and he just kind of ends up gradually taking mill under his wing and by the end we really uh, see that goodbye and when she tells him well you don't have to be the the sun dragon all the time and we just see the shock in Anakin's face and we see him first of all I, I love the way that again more glowing praise for Mike Chen's writing but like him describing like all the emotions that Anakin is going through after Mill says um, that and him like trying to compose himself and like literally him like breaking down trying to tell the story about his mother because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that this is timeline wise like only like at least like what a month after Shmi's yeah. death. So this is still really fresh on Anakin's mind. And we do see, like like we mentioned earlier, we Anakin never tells Obi-Wan, but we do see him tell Palpatine in this book because Palpatine knows in Revenge of the Sith and he kind of twists it into, you know, you had to do it. Whereas Obi-Wan, I feel like it would have been a different combo. But I, I really like... The one heartbreaking thing about Anakin is that there are so many people that if he had just opened up would have been here, been there for him and would have sided with him, but he felt like he just couldn't and it led to all of this and like there's 
so many moments like that in the Clone Wars where you can just tell there's two off the top of my head where you can just tell Anakin wants to tell Obi-Wan about Padme but just can't for whatever reason the the Clovis episode in season six and then the the great moment in season seven the uh at least tell me you told Padme to say or I completely butchered that quote but the uh, the one where I hope you at least one, told Padme yes, I, said I know hello. exactly what you're talking about yeah. <sighs> the little look he gives oh, him good. I'm like no 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 just heartbreaking and I, I love how they're fully leaning into that now like yeah obi-wan knew like we're not even fucking around here like he's he, not stupid he knew <laughs> because there's the there's the deleted scene in revenge of the sith and then there's the anakin as the father isn't he which is again heartbreaking i i am uh, again this is just a product of of uh, late 2000s internet i will never forgive the internet for memeing that scene uh no because it is it is truly truly heartbreaking uh and gut-wrenching absolutely (laughs) gut-wrenching and it's one of those scenes where its impact has grown on me as i get older and as i watch the movie more i'm like this has so much weight to it whether or not that Um, is because of how much more clone wars and stuff like that is added is one thing but it's just such a just gut-wrenching scene to get through you said that perfectly the one thing i did love is because when mill is talking you talked about this when mill is talking with anakin about how she's trying to close herself off from the force and anakin mentions Mm. how he had those same thoughts when he was younger about hey i don't think i want to be a jedi either i don't know if you Mm. read charles soul's anakin and obi-wan comic from yes it's a yeah but i believe he's talking about that because in that book Mm. Anakin is debating on leaving the order and then by the end of the uh, by mm. the com- the end of that comic he chooses to stay with Obi-Wan but again more into like how Obi-Wan would have been there with him no matter what Obi-Wan was going to leave the order with him or but yeah Anakin yeah <laughs> does not know that and it's just like oh. ah, damn it George you oh. had to do this like every time it's Wanna one of go- those movies where I'm just like all right so this time he, he's not going to turn, right? It's just so tragic. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to what you said about um, Anakin wanting to tell someone. And Anakin had just felt safe to talk about what was going on. Nothing would have happened. He never was like, a, he never allowed himself to feel safe enough to talk about what was going on. Isn't that just Ben Solo? Um. Yeah. Isn't that just exactly that what is... happens to Ben Solo? Pretty much, yeah. He felt so rejected and out, like an other, just like Anakin, and he felt like he couldn't return home. If you like, if you read the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, they destroy the temple, and he doesn't destroy the temple, but he's told, or he's like, "Well, where where can I go? I can't go home now," and. And Ben in Tross is like talking about how is it Tross? I don't remember when he's talking to Ray and like talking about how um, can't he can't go back. It's like, geez, but if he had just opened up to anyone that loved him, any of his family, anyone that loved him about what he was feeling and what was happening with his manipulation to the dark side, none of this would have happened because he's just like Anakin. They will not open up, and that is their downfall both times. It's so sad. 
yeah, so, no, so sad. It's heartbreaking. Uh, I need to ask you one question, though, before I forget. Do you think Anakin told Ahsoka the Sun Dragon story? Or do you... My God. Do you think he uh, he never could? I don't know. I feel like... I feel... Maybe totally off. There was a vulnerability and connection between him and Mill. As much as he loved and was close to Ahsoka, feel like it had the same emotional vulnerability because he was her master. Whereas with Mill, there was this honesty that he was giving her to comfort her. Ahsoka was Ahsoka. Ahsoka's like, I can do anything. I blah, 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 blah. I'm a girl boss, you know? I love her to death, but she was girl bossing. Yeah. And there were hard moments for Ahsoka, but she was never broken down to the point where Mill was broken down when Anakin meets her. Because she was just out there slaying. <laughs> and Mill is just a little scared girl. And I think Mill is more of a reflection of Anakin and the Phantom Menace than she is a reflection of Ahsoka. Yeah. So that's, that's I think on. that, yeah, I think that because he probably viewed her as younger him, that's why he felt like he could tell her a story from his days on Tatooine, where I think Ahsoka is more like Attack of the Clones Anakin. And he didn't need stories, he didn't need to tell her stories about his mother because she was at a different stage of life, whereas Mill was connected to the life he lived on Tatooine with his mom. Does that make sense? No, definitely. That does make sense. I, I could be I, way off, though. I'm sure. I'm sure people will disagree, but that's my take on it. No, like I think that's actually a great way of looking at it. I, I think there there could have definitely been moments where it could have been brought up because we do know that. Ahsoka is one of the few that he did trust with the the whole Padme thing. Although I believe Ahsoka just kind mm -hmm. of realizes it like on her own and then eventually figures it out herself. But like it's like her, Rex, and Palpatine. Uh, and then Obi-Wan just yeah. couldn't make it into that list. Because again, there was something about the uh, him thinking that he the, the council would find out. But... Yeah. My, one of my greatest mysteries is, and just biggest what ifs, is like, would the council have even kicked him from the order? Like, that's always like one of my greater questions. Like, I feel like Windu might have, but I don't know about like Yoda. Do, and yeah. A couple of the other ones. That's another thing. Let, let me just get this out of the, the way here. Uh, uh, this book, not, not good for our boy Master Windu. He is his, oh my God. the way Anakin is like his perspective on Mace in this in this book is very like Attack of the Clones like this man hates my guts type of perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I know for a lot of people that that aren't big Mace Windu fans, they uh they were like, yeah, this book didn't really help with that, but yeah. They they really portray him as such a like this guy's always out to get me type of character <laughs> in this book, which I just I just found funny because there's that moment where 
uh, Anakin is trying to con- I don't remember who he was trying to contact, but then Mace shows up on the a comlink instead. Oh, He's yeah. like, oh shit. And he has to like make something up on the fly, which I just I just found that hilarious. Of like, oh, he's like, oh, he's the the cranky old neighbor uh, that he's got to <laughs> avoid. Yeah, no, there. Again, I just, I, I, this is in like my top three Star Wars novels, definitely. Like, I, I loved this book so much, and like, I, I think a great sign of of a, of a really good book that's connected to pre-existing media uh, already is when it can enhance your perception of how you feel about characters that have not only existed for 40 years, but in the case of me with these two are two of my all-time favorite characters. But now I look at them a bit differently in a good way because of how Mm -hmm. this book portrays them. And again, all in my mind has to do with Mike Chen's writing. I think he is spot on. And again, I think, like I said, the strong point to me was how he wrote Anidala because, again, I, I've loved their romance my whole life. And this mm. book, I thought, was one of the strongest portrayals of it that I have had in any Star Wars media ever, which I will forever be grateful for because there's just such a, a love and care to how he writes them. Uh, to where their their little moment on Coruscant is one of my favorites ever for them, and it, it's um, there are so many like quotes that I am going to always attach to that relationship <laughs> th- throughout this book. So thank you, Mike Chen, for that. Uh, thank you yeah, for making seriously uh, his turn to the dark side even more tragic. But that's everything oh, in Star Wars, unfortunately, at this point, is just more and more pain. Um, but the the one thing that I, because Cody shows up at the very end, I think it would have been mm-hmm. cool if we got, like, the 501st introduced and we got to see Rex. But I, I, I'm okay with the fact that we didn't. Like, I'm not going to take points away because, like, again, you can... You can only have so many little Easter eggs in the book. And, like, Ventress was there, so we got the Clone Wars connections. Uh, and then we got their their armor at the end. So, I'm like, that's not something that, like, I'm, or like, hurting for. But that is something yeah. I've always been curious of, of, like, what was Rex and Anakin's first, like, story meeting together. So maybe they have that planned in the future. I don't. I don't know what's going on over there at Lucasfilm <laughs> Publishing, uh, or Lucasfilm Anime. Maybe that's a Tales of the Jedi short. I don't know when that comes out and Ooh. whenever they release that, because I think it's getting delayed again. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I would love to see that as a, as a as a wreck stand. But this this book really just checked all my boxes. Uh, I I don't typically reread books. It's just not really a thing that I've ever done. But uh. if I were to, like, go back and reread any books, I mean, I feel, or any Star Wars novels, and it's not because I don't want to. It's just because, like, there's so much I need to read. So I feel like I'd hate myself uh, if yeah. I just, instead of reading, <laughs> like, say, 
the new High Republic phase, I just went back and reread Lost Stars. Like, I just, I'd be like, ah, like, of course I'm just sticking to this again. But Brotherhood would definitely be, like, near the top of my list. Although, like, now that I say Lost Stars, I do have the Lost Stars manga that I have yet to touch. So I'm probably going to read those soon. Because I've had those, and then I got the, um... The Leia Princess of Alderaan ones because you posted, about uh. you posted about it. And I'm like, wait, hold on. I forgot there's a manga for this. I'm ordering this immediately. <laughs> so. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you have like any like last like big thoughts before we uh, kind of get to our, our end point here? Well, let me look at my note really quick. Also, I'm sorry I kept interrupting. I've had so many things no, to no, say. No, 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 no. It's fine. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't be the only one talking this whole time, like, or else they get sick of it. <laughs> so it's fine. Uh, I feel yes, like I'm one missing thing something I... huge. But, like, yeah, what the were The only you? thing I feel like we didn't touch on that I really liked was seeing Anakin grow accustomed to his new hand. Um, yes! How did I forget about that? Yeah, that was a huge part of the book. Like, him figuring out, like, using the force and like his lightsaber and everything with his new his um, own growth as a character is like represented through him getting uh warmed uh, up to his new hand which i again i loved that and we see that kind of like hinder him in a way of like he goes to uh, i think when he's fighting ventress he like instinctively goes to use the force with his robot hand and it messes everything mm-hmm. up or like when he's trying to to fight like he there's something off about it and he has to like train himself to establish a new fighting style which again that was another small thing of they could just if they wanted to they could be like yeah he's got a he's got a robot hand now like everything (laughs) is fine but they they make it so like that's always like a constant like anxiety source and like always on his mind of this damn hand like i wish i had like padme's not sorry sorry you go you go well he's always like it's always a a big issue and again it's another highlight of like anakin always like to his detriment always lets things get to his head in the worst way where like like i think you were about to say padme embraces it immediately but anakin is on his mind for the entire book because she she loves anakin because he is anakin she doesn't care if he's got a robot hand or anything but exactly what I was gonna say, like that is it, yeah. a deal breaker. It's like she's gonna be grossed out by it, blah blah blah. She doesn't give a shit. And it's funny because like if Obi-Wan had a robo hand in this moment, like he'd be like, Oh, that sucks and move on. But mm-hmm. Anakin, like, once something's on his mind, it consumes his every thought. And this hand is an obstacle. Like, yeah, he lost a limb. I know that's really hard in real life, but like in Star Wars, it's a little bit easier to deal with, you know? <laughs> like, um We literally saw like... in Book of Boba Fett this year Fennec get her <gasps> entire like abdomen replaced. And uh, she just exactly. moves on like it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just a thing that happens. There's a little area on Tatooine for like cybernetic modifications. Like that's just a thing exactly. in Star Wars. But Anakin is like... He can't let it go, yeah. He's like the real world representative of like... If someone was in the Star Wars universe and their arm got lobbed off by this Sith Lord. Creepy Sith Lord dude. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that was a great point. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Because I was... Again, it just... 
one of those things when you're talking about a book, you just completely forget about certain aspects, and then 20 minutes later, you'd be like, oh, I forgot to make this point. But yeah, that was a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a huge one. Also, you mentioned that Obi-Wan would have just brushed it off. Anakin, if it was Obi-Wan's hand that got lost, Anakin definitely would have been throwing jokes in his direction yes. too, making yes. fun of Obi-Wan. But he's like, because he's a little prima donna, and I say that in the best way, <laughs> he, he's like, if Obi-Wan made a crack about his hand, Anakin, that would have been... He lost his mind. He would have turned to the dark side a lot faster. Yeah, with peace and love, Anakin is a little bitch, and he is also yeah. one of my favorite characters of all time. So I'm allowed to say it. You're allowed to say it. Um, That's why I'm allowed to say, you know, yeah. maybe it's you know because he made fun of Obi Wan's hair. Someone will say, you know, maybe you deserved everything that you got, buddy. But like, yeah. you know, I say that with love. Exactly. With love. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, no. Again, the little bits and pieces, and and the the hints and the foreshadowing that he throws into this book i i love and the the sun dragon thing in particular is gonna stick with me when it comes to anakin for the longest time i don't believe that's a new mm -hmm. thing for anakin's character but i feel like this is the one where i think it was also a legends thing and it might have been in, a, in a, another book that i i unfortunately have not read yet but I, I definitely mm. think it is the the one that has put such the a huge amount of emphasis on it. And now, because of how much I love this book, it's gonna stick with me of like that is um. that's Anakin, is the 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 Sun Dragon. I almost forgot the name. Uh but it, it's it's I, I love this book. <laughs> it's it's like I would say it's rising or sorry, Lost Stars, and then I would say Rising Storm, and then I would have Brotherhood at three for the canon. Uh, it, so if I don't even include High yeah. Republic, this would be my second favorite Star Wars book. I just, I have nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, and as, like I said, as a prequel kid, as a Clone Wars and Anakin and Obi-Wan fanatic, this book is a must read for anyone. Uh, and I will be shouting uh, from the rooftops its praises uh, for as long as I can <laughs> because it is so so good and uh yeah the one thing i love about it one more thing before we wrap things up is uh -huh. when books like these are focused on characters we know there's always the like fear that any new characters that are like given spotlight and are introduced can be looked at as like why are they there like i just want to like see the characters we know it, it, Kenobi the series got a lot yeah. of this with Reva which I think is bullshit because Reva is awesome but like why are we why mm -hmm. are we focusing on her this is an Obi-Wan show I but thankfully with like Mill and Rug, I felt none of that and I was yeah. almost instantly attached to their characters and they fit right in with the story like you said they they were the perfect partners for both of the characters and I was like, okay, if we see another Clone Wars novel and Rug shows up as like a background character, I'd be like, oh, cool. Or if we see Mill get referenced in something again, I would be loving stuff because um, I really enjoyed these characters. And I that's such a great thing because you, you do always have those risk of, who, who are these guys? Like, why are they here? But... I never felt that once this whole time. Like I was when I was reading, I was like, okay, so we're following younglings now. But then immediately, 
I was attached to her story because I, I loved the premise of yeah. a Jedi youngling that doesn't want to have a lightsaber and doesn't want to fight yeah. and, and, and be a defender of the peace because we very rarely ever see that. It's always like awe and like inspiration and these like wide-eyed look at like these younglings that want to go to Ilum and get their uh, their crystals and get their lightsabers. Mill is the exact opposite. Like she's yeah. like, no, I'm gonna throw up now. Like this is this. I hate this. And that was such. Like, <laughs> she's a such new, a mood. I love it. I know that was such a new like perspective, and I, I really appreciated it. And I am all for more characters like that. And I'm all for everything that uh, Chen did in this role. So, uh, any last thoughts before we uh, wrap things up, or have you? Yeah, I did want to say, um, I wanted to say for those listening, if you are more interested in Sun Dragon, I did some fact checking. It's first mentioned in the Revenge of the Sith novelization. There um, we go. And One then the in new canon, uh, in the new canon, it is first mentioned in uh, Star Wars from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back short story called Disturbance. It is also mentioned in the new book, Shadow, or Shadow of the Sith is the new new one, right? Shadow of the Sith came out yeah. end of June. Yeah, it's the Luke Lando one. Yeah, so Shadow of the Sith mentions it as well. So if you are interested in that little story, um, that is where you can find it. Awesome. That's all I had to say. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that because I didn't think to Wikipedia it for some reason, even though I'm always <laughs> on the doubt with that. Uh, but like, what are your what are your last thoughts on Brotherhood as a book and like it's impact on you and uh if it changed anything like before we uh take things away i absolutely love this book um i i felt like it made me love some of my favorite characters even more than i knew i could yeah um i did not expect to like mill um not i didn't expect to hate mill Sometimes little kid characters just kind of annoy me a little bit. Yeah, no, there's always yes, a risk with I characters love, like those. Love little Leia, though, and I love Grogu, so maybe I'm changing as I become an adult. But, um, oh, but if you I didn't love like little Mil Leia, in a way I, I would have ended the episode right now. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. I adore her more than anything. Okay. Um, but, uh, loved Mill more than I thought I would, uh, and I would love to see her again later. Um, I just think that it's so important, like, the Jedi taking children away from their families, to me, is so vile. And children are not old enough to make the decision to join this religion where they cannot fall in love and they cannot, like, there's so much that's taken from them. They lose their families. And I think that as much as I love the Jedi, I think that that is a very horrible thing yeah, that they do. Yeah, that's the one thing and where you're just like, ooh. Yeah. It's really, really gross. And it makes the Jedi look more like a cult than they already do. Um, I think that Mill and Anakin discussed it, get the, discussing how that's hard for them is so important. Like, we needed to see some perspective on how yeah, this fucked me up. Like, this thing that happened to me as a kid, it fucked me up. Um, and I thought that was really good. I think that's my last point, is that just, like, 
love characters more than I thought I could before. And I love Anakin more than I thought I could. And I love Anakin. So that means a lot. Um, but I think it's so, so important to show like, hey, what the Jedi Order is doing is kind of bad. <laughs> it's kind of really messed up. So, yeah, you know, I like that. That a was a, a great last point to have there. Uh, again, it's nothing but praise for this book. And I hope Mike Chen gets mm. another novel announced very soon. Because I'd love to see him <laughs> tell another story in this universe, and I will be right there uh, to, to read it. You mentioned Ben Solo. Give Mike Chen a, mm. a Ben Solo book, please. That would. I be... was gonna say that. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Or like a Rain Ben. <laughs> no, book. no, no. Give me yeah. that. Yeah, please. I wasn't gonna say that now. But I was going to say that 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I wanted Mike Chen to write a Raylo book. And then I used self-control and I didn't say it. So I'm really it. glad that so you said you waited, it. So then you waited for me to say it and then be like, all right, there we go. I need I, it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, Brotherhood, great. I love it. And please more. Uh, but thank you for, for tuning in for another edition of our For the Republic book discussions. This was a really great one. Uh, these again are going to be coming out at, at, at the pace that we all read these books because I am not <laughs> one of those people that can, I would love to be one of those people that can sit down and read a book in like two sittings and it takes me ages. Like, I, it's just, it's not great. Academic reading kind of killed my ability to <laughs> be able to read anything at, at a good pace. Uh, thanks uh, American education system for that one but that's another conversation for another day uh, I had an absolute blast with this one and uh, I would love to have you on again to talk about any books or literally anything Star Wars because it's always great having another <laughs> another voice because this was this was amazing I would love to I especially because I can't cover books written by men on my podcast any book written by a man please have me on here because i want to yeah. talk about them and i can't so please. you're like nope that's Thank not so that's much. not a part of the theme uh but padawan <laughs> is written by uh kirsten white so when you get around to that oh, one yeah that should be a, a yeah. great one for the book club um i'm, I'm literally very just looking down at my like little thing on my desk and i'm seeing all the <laughs> stickers you sent me uh a couple oh my months God. ago <laughs> Because I haven't, I haven't been Love able it. to put them on anything yet. So they're just, they're just chilling. They're finding a home soon. The Love Night it. Sisters podcast. Love whenever it. I get a new hydro flask or something that I can put on <laughs> there. Uh, but speaking of the Night Sisters podcast, uh, tell the good people where they can find you about your podcast and stuff like that while we uh, head out here. Yeah. Yes, quick uh, elevator pitch. Night Sisters podcast is dedicated to highlighting women that make Star Wars great. So whether that is the creators of Star Wars that are female, the fans that make the fandom community great, uh, anything under the sun, the authors, all of that, I will talk about it. <laughs> so I interview a lot of women in the fandom and I'm doing a book club about books written by women and i'm also going to start doing uh lucasfilm deep dives so like marcia lucas is going to be my first one but uh 
talking about the careers of women that created Star Wars is coming very soon. You can find me at Night Sisters Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Night Sisters Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to just follow me, I'm at Maddie underscore Amidala on Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch and Instagram. So you can find me there. Yeah, she posts a lot about like nerd fashion and like seeing movies in theaters that I'm I'm like how are you seeing this in the theater right now I'm so jealous I've only ever had oh that when I saw uh during COVID they put up Empire Strikes Back at the drive-in so that was oh, an yeah. amazing experience getting to see my favorite movie at the theater but you're like yeah just seeing Solo in the theater I'm like what what theater <laughs> is showing this right now oh I want to cry about Kira as my Kira Black series is just permanently in a fallen uh state right now it's just the stand <laughs> broke such a it's, mood it's depressing uh but as for me <laughs> you can follow me on twitter tiktok instagram and twitch at starlight andrew just changed all the socials lately to the same thing uh you can also follow the podcast on twitter at for the repub pod and on instagram at for the republic pod uh, we just opened up a YouTube channel. You can look for us there for the Republic podcast. We're slowly putting up our backlog of uh, all of our episodes that we've released over the past four or five months at this point. So they're going to be going up there. And then we're eventually going to be doing some special content on there as well. Whenever we want to test out some video stuff. I just put up an Andor trailer review up there yesterday. Uh, it's about four and a half minutes. Just went over what I loved about it. You can check that out if you want to. And we are also later this week doing our next episode of the main show. We're going to be talking about uh, the first appearance of Hondo in the Clone Wars, which is going to be great. And then we're also doing a Q&A. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the Andor trailer as well. So if you have any questions for us, tweet us, Instagram DM us, whatever you want to do, we'll answer them for you. Uh, So thank you, Maddie, again for joining us. Thank you for listening once again. And until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.